Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, it's Manveen here. Today's episode is presented by one of the Stories of Our Times producers, Will Rowe. Ahead of the elections on Thursday, the Times Red Box team analyze what the Hartlepool by-election says about the current state of the two main parties. On Thursday, people across the country will head to the polls for local, national and mayoral elections. In Hartlepool, in the northeast of England, voters there are also being asked to elect a new MP. I think they just need to just wake up and listen to what people are wanting and not expect that people are going to vote for Labour just so the Tories don't get in. Polling commissioned by The Times suggests the Conservatives are on course to win the seat from Labour and add to their already large majority. It's a straight Labour and Tory fight in the sort of seat that will, for better or worse, decide the next election. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Will Rowe. Today, what does the Hartlepool by-election mean for Boris Johnson and Sir Keir Starmer? My name's Patrick Maguire. I'm Red Box editor for The Times. I write The Times' daily morning email briefing five mornings a week from Westminster. In the context of this, I commissioned the first two polls of the Hartlepool constituency of this by-election campaign. So you're a busy man. Busier and more tired than I ever expected I would be at my deceptively tender age, despite looking like a 50-year-old man. As a political reporter, did you ever think politics would be... I don't want to say sexy, but uh, this much in the news, because traditionally it's kind of been a bit shoved aside, hasn't it? It has, and it's a really peculiar sensation speaking to friends who aren't particularly political, particularly during Brexit, but also throughout the pandemic as ministers that nobody halfway normal had a clue who they were 18 months ago are now some of the most prominent figures, not just in the news, but basically in British light entertainment the rotating cast of Matt Hancock, Rishi Sunak, Boris Johnson, Chris Whitty, Patrick Valance, not that they're politicians, because the pandemic has been the news story of the past year. As the editor of Redbox, what are people saying to you? What are the MPs, your sources? About anything. About anything, yeah. I mean, I guess at the moment it's probably about Boris Johnson. Yeah, let me let me scroll back to the last... Te- let me see, from a civil servant, hopefully this doesn't result in a leaking cry and someone getting sacked. Um... Uh, civil servant remarking that they had their headphones on very loud in a lift with their permanent secretary. So that's one slice of life in Whitehall. Uh, (laughs) A message from an aide to Keir Starmer, who was on a visit to a welding college yesterday with the very funny line, who said he couldn't make sparks fly, which is uh, (laughs) amusingly self-aware. Let me see. Uh, Message from an MP who... I very rudely ignored, must reply to that after this. All of human life is in my WhatsApps, as you can see. Absolutely. Anyone been talking to you about Hartlepool? We're recording this on whatever day it is. Dominic Cummings released his blog on which he named Henry Newman, another aide to the Prime Minister, as the potential leaker. And I'm just scrolling through my text with a Northern Tory 
And they're saying, you know, Henry Newman's name has come up on the doorstep. What have they said yet? The dead bodies comment, i.e. the Prime Minister's alleged quip. Quip sounds uh, not the way to describe uh, the Prime Minister saying, let the dead bod- let the bodies pile high in their thousand. They said that's coming up on the doorstep a fair bit. So a mixture in sort of Tory circles of extreme confidence and as ever, as they did just before the general election 2019, jitters set in. But it does seem that the sleaze row is cutting through on the doorstep a little bit. Boris Johnson has categorically denied those comments. Let's just come on to, firstly, what triggered this by-election in Hartlepool? Mike Hill, who was the Labour MP, who won the seat in 2017 and narrowly retained it in 2019 when other seats like it fell to the Conservatives, resigned. He'd been accused of sexual harassment, which he categorically denies. So that opened up this by-election. Incredible test of so many things in British politics. It's fair to say that traditionally it would be a safe Labour seat. It was a Labour seat at the moment, as we record. It still is a Labour seat. But what type of place is it? What type of constituency is Hartlepool? Like lots of seats of its kind, yes, it's been a safe Labour seat since 1964. So for the Tories to win this, it would be the first time a Tory MP had won this in six decades. It's a Teesside constituency, post-industrial, maritime. But unlike... Lots of red wall constituencies around it. It's quite isolated geographically and it's always been slightly idiosyncratic politically. So idiosyncratic that in 2002, Hartlepool elected the mascot of the local football team, Hangus the Monkey, to be their mayor. With his vote-winning slogan, Free Bananas for School Children, a bloke in a monkey costume beats his main political opponents by a few hundred votes. He then won two further terms, the second time around getting 10,000 more votes than his nearest rival. Despite the embarrassment, the then Labour government said elected mayors are the way forward. When Labour introduced these directly elected mayors, lots of them were won by local populists, and that was the first sign that things might not be well in these places where, famously, you might say, Labour used to weigh the votes. You mentioned a moment ago about the Red Wall. Yes. Just for... Listeners that might not be completely aware of that term, what is the Red Wall? The Red Wall is basically the bedrock of Labour's parliamentary party, or indeed it was until 2019. A solid enough block of post-industrial northern constituencies that stretched all the way from North Wales across Lancashire and West Yorkshire. And then there was another sort of pocket of them in the northeast. And Hartlepool is one of the few seats standing in that northeastern block. It's in the Tees Valley. It's a traditional working-class constituency. Now, obviously, the question of what the working class is is one that politicians and, and journalists pour over now. But basically, demographically, it is of a one with all of the seats, which, incidentally, all voted overwhelmingly for Brexit, as Hartlepool did, um, that broke for Boris Johnson so decisively in 2019. And the only thing that allowed Labour to hang on in 2019. Now, Hartlepool, arguably, was a huge vote for the Brexit party. Let's get Brexit done. Let's get Brexit done. Let's get Brexit done. Let's get Brexit done. And let's get Brexit done. Let's get Brexit done. And let's bring this country together. In terms of Brexit, that was obviously the big issue at the last election, 2019. Get Brexit done. It's pretty much the only thing Boris Johnson said. How much do you think... Brexit now plays out there? I think the short answer is not a lot because it is done. It's, well, perceived as done yeah. in the eyes of the electorate. 
whatever economic consequences there have been have basically sort of been alleviated with the consequences of the pandemic. I don't think anyone who goes up there and swaddles themselves in an EU flag is going to necessarily be flavour of the month. But I think that's that's basically true of anywhere in the country now, I think. What are the types of issues that people in Hartlepool care about? We hear a lot about the Westminster bubble, you and I are sitting here in London. But in that part of the world, what matters to those voters? I would say the, the big issue that both sides are worried about, and the local media in particular exercise about, is the future of the steelworks in Hartlepool. Liberty Steel's pipe mills behind me here in Hartlepool were bought from Tata Steel four years ago. Since then they've increased the workforce and this part of the business is actually profitable. Business leaders are urging the government to help to avoid a further loss of steelmaking capacity here in the UK. It is seen as a key industry. We hear a lot about the Greensill scandal. David Cameron lobbying for Greensill is his reputation toast. What happens to Lex Greensill's commercial empire? When really, actually, the steelworks in Hartlepool, run by Liberty Steel, owned by Sanjeev Gupta, the troubled steel tycoon who is up to his neck in uh, Greensill debt, as it were. There are hopes that even if Liberty as a group fails, these mills here are profitable and could attract a buyer. But it's still an uncertain time for the 250 people who work here. This question of what should the government do about Greensill, should it bail out the firms that are exposed to Greensill, has Tory sleaze resulted inadvertently in 250 skilled jobs in Hartlepool potentially being lost? That is the big hot-button issue. This is the first test of Boris Johnson and the Conservatives since they won in 2019. It's the first by-election since then. It's a bit of a bellwether, this. Can the Conservatives win this seat? Yes, absolutely. They should do. They'll be disappointed if they don't. The two polls have shown them neck and neck and with an eight-point lead. Polling by-elections is very difficult, but given their national polling picture, the Brexit party factor, i.e. that 25% of the vote that went Brexit party in 2019, is looking for a new home, and also the fact that this is coming as restrictions ease, the vaccine programme's going very well, Boris Johnson's approval's higher than Keir Starmer's, they would hope they would win. And also they have the incumbent mayor in the region as well. When you first saw that poll, the one that you broke in the Times, were you surprised by it? No. I was surprised by the size of the lead because it was a marginal but relatively comfortable Labour hold in 2019. But then totted everything up in my head. Successful vaccine rollout, lockdown easing, people like Boris Johnson, Keir Starmer's failing to cut through, plus all the Brexit party voters that are now without a party that says, you're Brexit, we're Brexit on the ballot paper. I sort of thought, well, why wouldn't it look like this? So, who are the two main candidates for this by-election? The Conservatives have put up Jill Mortimer. She is a, fair to say, a well-heeled North Yorkshire farmer, former barrister. Uh, Labour have made much hay about the fact she is a barrister. She's not from Hartlepool. She's from 40 or so miles away. She is the closest thing you'll get to a Shire Tory on Teesside, and that's why so many neighbouring MPs are so worried about her. Local identity is very important in these contests, so there is a feeling among some Tories that they've looked at a gift horse in the mouth, and it's fair to say she's not cut a particularly comfortable figure on the campaign trail. And what about the Labour candidate who's Labour put up? Well, Labour have put up Dr Paul Williams and this was the favoured candidate of Keir Starmer's team. They had a shortlist of one, 
which went down very badly among some Labour people. Not really a short list, is it? <laughs> well, a long list of one and then a short list of one. And then, indeed, they picked the one candidate on there that was Dr Paul Williams, who was an MP 2017-2019 in the next door constituency, Stockton South, lost his seat in 2019 and now is now hoping to book the trend that lost him his seat in 2019. Now, you'll notice I would have said Dr Paul Williams repeatedly. Every leaflet that's going through doors in Hartlepool has a picture of Paul Williams looking suitably tired in his scrubs. He does all of his campaign videos from the COVID clinic. They're drawing a virtuous comparison between I'm Dr Paul Williams, I've been on yeah. the front line at Hartlepool's Hospital this whole time compared to look at this farmer from miles away who is running for the party of sleaze, essentially. Go to the podcast notes for a full list of candidates standing in the Hartlepool by-election. You mentioned that in a constituency like Hartlepool, it matters if the person is local and you say the Conservatives may have slightly looked a gift horse in the mouth thinking that the national picture will play a part. How much is the the local v national sort of registering with people or how much does it in those kind of seats? Yes, when Jill Morton was selected, a lot of Tory MPs I speak to, particularly Northern Tory MPs, had their heads in their hands and were saying, how have we just managed to lose this by-election? Now, I'd say in the intervening month or so, the mood has really improved. Why is that? Because another local factor, the Tees Valley mayor election is held on the same day. One of the first bricks in the red wall to crumble was the Tees Valley metro mayoralty in 2017. Ben Houchin, the Tory mayor, upset the odds to win and has been a very dynamic, populist and popular mayor. Now, Tories think if they win in Hartlepool, it will essentially be because even though their candidate's a bit rubbish and even if the national picture turns against them, it will be because voters in Hartlepool getting to the polling booth on May the 6th will cross Ben Houchin, Conservative for Tees Valley Mayor. Their muscle memory will kick in. They'll vote Tory the second time. Obviously, when you ask a party in a by-election, both of the campaign teams, unless it's going really, really badly, will say, it's brilliant, our vote is holding up really well. But ultimately, the only gauge of opinion that matters are who in Hartlepool is going to turn up. They are the people, not the cockshaw canvassers, who will decide this election. And perhaps we should hear from them. And in just a moment, we will. But first, get to the heart of the stories that matter every day with The Times and The Sunday Times. Subscribe today and enjoy one month free. Just visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So I'm just driving up to Hartlepool on the A19, mainly grey skies, uh, beautiful green fields, kind of sweeping landscapes, lots of spray on the windscreen from huge trucks on the motorway. Mari Aurora is a red box reporter for The Times. She's in Hartlepool ahead of the by-election. In 200 yards at the roundabout, take the second exit and stay on A689. I'm just arriving into Hartlepool now. I can see a car 
valet centre and a local pub. So the weather does look like it's actually picking up a little bit, thank goodness. Uh, so now I just need to try and find a place to park. Thanks for bringing the sunshine with us. Hello. First up, I went to see Alan, who runs a quilting business in the centre of town. Do you want a cup, Please. Tea or coffee? Tea, please. My name's Alan Tether. I'm 59. I was born in Hartlepool. I've stayed here all my life and I'm a professional quilter. I'll be voting for Paul, Dr Paul Williams for Labour. What are the things that really matter to you? Small businesses. I've only just been a small business for 18 months. So what do you think of Boris Johnson? I don't like him. He got Brexit done with a famous slogan. But for his politics, I don't trust him. Simply because he's getting the bad press all the time. So what do you think of Keir Starmer? He's got a monumental job on his hands to bring the Labour Party back up to what people can vote for. He, he seems to be give the impression, certainly around here, that he's a, a city slicker, he's a Westminster bubble operator. So you said you're voting Labour in the by-election? Yes. So why are you voting Labour? I'll never vote for the Tories up here. I suppose you could say it's the, the less of two evils. We've always been a Labour town since, that I can remember, 1974. If Hartlepool goes blue, as it were, mm. will you be surprised? Or? I won't actually, no. Purely because of the, the split in Labour. Going back previously, the Tories haven't done anything up here as a from a parliamentary aspect. Ben Houchen's the Tees Valley mayor and he's pulled the area up by his bootstraps. And I didn't know that until a couple of weeks back that he's actually a Tory. You know, but I'll vote for him as a Conservative candidate for the mayoral elections. But on a town wide basis, it's got to be Paul Williams. Thank you, Thank then. You. All right, take care. Take care, bye. then. Bye. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Betty. How are you doing? How are you? I'm Harry. Hello. After leaving Alan's quilting business, I went to have a chat with Betty, a local designer. So I am Betty Hope. I live in Hartlepool. I am a textile and surface designer. I am 26. I was born here and I am voting for Thelma Walker, who is endorsed by the Northern Independence Party. Paint me a picture of Hartlepool. That's a really hard question because it's not like anywhere else. We've got beautiful seasides, we've got fantastic people who live here who are resilient and create things and do things off their own back because we've had lack of funding for so many years. As you as an artist then, is, is kind of artist communities and support for artists one of your priorities locally or nationally or both? Obviously I'd like it to start in Hartlepool and then but it needs to be happening everywhere. Obviously, you're not voting for Labour or Conservative. I've always voted Labour, and it was only when Keir Starmer was put in control that um, my hope for the Labour Party kind of fizzled out. What would Labour have to do for you to go back to them? I think they just need to just wake up and listen to what people are wanting and not expect that people are going to vote for Labour just so the Tories don't get in. Who do you think is going to win the by-election? I have no idea. Will you be surprised if it's the Tories? No. 
I wouldn't be surprised if it was the Tories because people are like people are fed up of Labour. It's I don't know. It's a really hard question that one. So what are you hearing like from your family, from your friends, from people around you, people close to you? A lot of people are on the fence and they're very angry. I've heard people who are long-time Labour supporters seriously considering voting Tory. I think it's anyone's game, to be honest. Thanks very much. Lovely to meet you. Just a short drive away along the seafront, I went to have a chat with Joe, who runs a bar. Boris was here yesterday. It's um, currently being refurbed, so there's plenty of work going yeah, on. Yeah, just sort of rocked up. But um, he's been, I think that's the third time in about two weeks he's been, I think. I'm Joe Franks, the owner of the Open Jar here in Hartlepool, uh, and I'm 30 years old. And I'm going to be voting for Conservative. Have you always lived in Hartlepool? Were you born raised here? I've worked in Hartlepool for the last five years and I've recently moved um, here just before Christmas. I'm from Billingham originally, so it's only about 10, 15 minutes away, but I've always sort of had connections to Hartlepool. Like, how would you describe Hartlepool to someone who's never been before? Hartlepool is a beautiful place. It's very unappreciated Hartlepool within the region. It seems to be sort of like the forgotten... The forgotten treasure of Teesside, I'd sort of call it. So why do you think it's been forgotten? Personally, I think we've not had any sort of financial support. If you look at other towns, I think it would it would benefit from. So what do you think of Boris Johnson then? Um, you're going to have to edit the big pause. <laughs> it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. I think the... See, for someone who's not really that engaged with politics, I would say that how the last year's been handled, I would say, was 50-50. I think the support that the businesses have had has been great. So is that why you're voting Conservative? Yeah, I think purely because the fact that we, we could have lost everything and we didn't. What would Labour have to do to win your vote in the future? Promise a little bit of investment into the town. Um, for a town the size of Hartlepool, we don't, we don't have an a &E. It's It's criminal how, you know, we're one of the highest tax brackets in the UK and we don't have an a &E service. It's, it's just not right. This town needs money spending on it. Do you think Brexit has played any part in any of this? Or do you think no one cares about Brexit anymore? We haven't heard anything regarding Brexit for a while. Like, you know, no one seems to be focused on it as much. I think just day-to-day -day people don't seem to be talking about it. And in total honesty, I don't think day-to-day -day people really understand everything that goes on with it. I don't understand a lot of that myself, which is, you know, it's frustrating and worrying, but... It never gets broken down in layman's terms, does it? I don't think. So do you think Conservative will win the by-election? There seems to be a lot of conversation around it in Hartlepool, which doesn't normally happen, and I think it is very much leaning towards Conservative. Uh, everyone I speak to seems to think that they're voting Conservative, which hasn't happened in Hartlepool for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> no Appreciate problem. the time. Yeah, I've just driven out of Hartlepool and I've actually just passed through a cute little village with beautiful little houses. The sun is just creeping out through the clouds. Finally, the rain has stopped and I've driven past a campaign poster for the Conservative Party candidate Jill Mortimer. Perhaps a sign of things to come? How hard is it for Redwall voters to move to vote Conservative? I mean, they did it in 2019. But how hard is it for those type of voters to make that move? Often we ask, and the Labour Party's asked itself, why did these seats turn Conservative in 2019? We're back in London with Patrick, the Times Red Box editor. If you look at the demographics of these constituencies, predominantly white, non-degree educated, ageing population, a lot of these constituencies, that question is the wrong way round. It's why did they keep voting Labour for so long? All the demographic indicators pointed towards the Tories. 
And Boris Johnson is an incredibly popular politician. I actually think we've been through so many electoral cycles where this sort of overdue demic- demographic correction has happened that while it will be a totemic loss for Labour, it won't be a massive surprise because we've seen constituencies like that flip. That ancestral bond with Labour has frayed, if not already broken. Is the fact that Hartlepool is even going to be this close and it could go Conservative, isn't that just in itself show how poorly Labour are doing at the moment? There was a by-election in 2014 in a seat in Greater Manchester called Haywood and Middleton. Labour hung on by sort of 600 votes against UKIP. And obviously at the time, it's crisis averted. It's a narrow by-election loss. Which party represents Haywood and Middleton now? The Conservatives. Often, parties have narrow electoral escapes, as Labour did in Haywood and Middleton. They did in Peterborough, which also went Tory in 2019. It's very easy to keep hold of a seat by a few hundred votes and say crisis averted, everything's fine, and then that actually portends a bigger, more seismic loss a few years along the road. How close do you think the vote's going to be? <laughs> <laughs> if I knew that, I would uh, <laughs> I would not be spending my day recording... As lovely as you are, I would not be spending my day recording podcasts. I would be a professional gambler. I imagine there'll be fewer than a 1,000 votes in it in either direction, I think. It's going to be very close. I think so. And everybody on the campaign trail says it's going to be very close. Is this by-election, is it more a test of Starmer's leadership or Johnson's? Narrative matters above all else in politics. Until this week, I would have said this is a test of Keir Starmer's leadership and his reputation in the country. It's the the first opportunity Labour voters or Tory voters will have to go to a ballot box and say, is Keir Starmer convincing me either to stay with Labour or to switch my vote back to Labour? And that second group matters a huge amount in Hartlepool. But now, as the mood in Downing Street sours and there are lots of negative headlines for the Prime Minister, it wouldn't actually surprise me if this contest that has been spun as a really significant test for Keir Starmer, actually, I imagine all the headlines will be about Boris Johnson. The crucial question for the government is whether all these stories about who paid for a flat renovation, the public shrugs and says, so what? Or they say, actually, that makes me incredibly angry that they think John Lewis furniture is rubbish and can't stump up the 60 grand themselves. So we'll see. For Labour, if they don't hold this seat, if it goes blue, are there calls within the party that maybe Starmer's leadership should be reassessed? So on the left of the party, you will certainly get alarm bells ringing to the effect of the only reason we arrested our decline in seats like Hartlepool in 2017 when Jeremy Corbyn got that unexpectedly good result of the general election was because we were speaking to these working class voters. Keir Starmer, like the Labour leaders before him, can't do it. Among Starmer's supporters in Westminster, I don't think we're at the stage where anybody is going to say, get rid of Keir Starmer, but it will certainly add to a vague sense of unease that he isn't perhaps all he was cracked up to be. Lots of political commentators like yourself will be looking at this extremely keenly to see what happens, but how much can we really learn from one by-election three years out from a general election? Yes, it's a snapshot in time. The circumstances and the context may well have changed drastically in 2024, but it's going to be a really valuable indication of what voters in this seat are thinking about. This particular by-election, because it is a test of sentiment in a seat that is broadly representative of the seats Labour and the Tories will be scrapping over at the next election, more than a normal by-election, there are more lessons to be drawn from this than, say, the 
upcoming Cheshire and Amersham by-election in Buckinghamshire, say. <laughs> I'll be looking out for the result of that one. It, it sounds like it's, so it's very much a sense of this is how we are feeling about the current situation and this is what you can learn from this by-election. Yeah, exactly, because it's a straight Labour and Tory fight in the sort of seat that will, for better or worse, decide the next election or both parties believe will decide the next election. And if, say, Labour hold it much more comfortably than they expected, that may change the strategy the Tories adopt in the next election, i.e. will they be going all-out attack in seats like Hartlepool or will they be thinking, hang on, Labour are much stronger in these seats than we expected. So, yeah, we'll see. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Will Rowe, and my guests, Patrick Maguire, Redbox editor at The Times, and Mari Aurora, Redbox reporter for The Times. You can read more of Patrick and Mari's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producer was me, Will Rowe. The executive producer is Poppy Damon. And sound design was by Gareth Isles. If you have a story you think we should be covering an idea for a future episode or thoughts on what you've just heard, send us an email to storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. See you again soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.